everybody. Welcome back. It's me, your host, Alex Hopper, and I'd like to welcome you back to Policies, Problems, and Progress. Boy, ladies and gentlemen, do we have a show for you today. I'd like to go ahead and apologize for my voice. I am currently fighting some bronchitis after being in the hospital for four weeks after breaking my knee into six pieces and undergoing surgery to put them all back onto my tibia. So it's just been a great month for me, but the show must go on, so I'm happy to be back here with y'all. So if I sound nasally or scratchy throughout this episode, you'll have to forgive me. Now, I promise that this show is not always about war. It just so happens that we have had two sets of American interventionism in the last recent memory, both being Ukraine, which was covered in the last episode, and this episode, which is Israel. Now, for those of you who have listened to the show before, you know that we cover both sides of every argument, and we try to meet in the middle where we can or see one side in a different way. However, this is going to be different. We will be strictly talking about the two sides of whether America should be involved or not. We will not even for a second theorize if any action of terrorism against women, children, and other civilians is ever okay because it is not. Anyone advocating, approving, or supporting this is a shameful person who has no spine or empathy for any other human being. Slaughtering of children and civilians is always wrong, horrible, and awful, and should never be approved in any form whatsoever. And we will not be doing that on this show. That being said, there is still a conversation to be had about our role in this as Americans. Or at least is our government and industrial war complex. And that is what we're going to be covering. The people who say that we should be intervening and the people who are saying that we should not. No one on this show is ever going to be allowed to speak about supporting the deaths and torture of civilians. I have to make that very clear because for some reason in mainstream media that got really popular, which is extremely shameful. Now, normally, this is where I would go into the arguments, but due to the nature of this conflict, I feel that some amount of a history lesson is due, so please bear with me. I'm a history buff and can rant sometimes, but I'm going to do my best to get you just the need-to-know knowledge right now. Now, the Middle East has been home to conflict since the beginning of time. If we were to take the time to speak about every single conflict that happened in the Middle East, this show would be so long that my computer would not be able to store it. And it currently has 205 hours of free disk space. So we're going to go to quote-unquote recent memory beginning in 1516. Now, in 1516, the Ottoman Empire seized control over most of the Middle East, including Jerusalem, and they held on to it until 1917, except for a nine-year period whenever Egyptian governor Muhammad Ali seized control over Palestine, but it was lost again to the Ottomans in 1840. Now, in 1917, whenever the Ottoman Empire was destroyed, Jerusalem was seized by the British, and in 1922, there was an international mandate that made Britain the minister of the area in the Middle East. Now, this mandate lasted until May 14, 1948, 
and whenever it expired, David Ben-Gurion, the head of the Jewish agency, established what we know today as modern Israel, which was recognized by the U.S. President Harry S. Truman and was made a new nation the exact same day. Unfortunately, this led to the 1948 Arab-Israeli War, which was fought between the Arabs and the Israelis for control of the region. Now, after this conflict, Israel gained some territory, and Egypt was given the Gaza Strip, while Jordan was given the West Bank, and these lines were held until 1967. However, in 1967, there was the Six-Day War whenever Israel defeated Egypt, Jordan, and Syria and came to occupy the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and the Golan Heights. Throughout this conflict, funny enough, the U.S. called for a ceasefire trying to prevent Soviet intervention in the area. As the Wilson Center put it, the war transformed Israel from a nation that perceived itself as fighting for survival into an occupier and regional powerhouse. And since then, there have been many more conflicts in the region between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Even outside the region, the most famous one that comes to mind is the Munich Massacre, where during the 1972 Summer Olympics in Munich, West Germany, Palestinian terrorists killed Israeli Olympians and took hostages in the city. And that brings us almost to today. Like I said, there are so many more conflicts that went on in the area, but those were the founding wars that led us to the repeated border conflict that we have today in the region. So we'll start with the people who want the U.S. to intervene in Israel, and they are really in two camps. One is purely political and humanitarian, and the other is theological extremism. There are a few times on this show where we're going to get into theology, because normally, whenever you talk about the Bible and people who follow the Bible, even if they are in different sects of Christianity, they usually stand on the same side of a problem. And you don't have to go deep into theology to see why two different groups stand on two different sides of it. But this one is different. For those of you who have never heard of premillennialism, there are Christians in this country who believe that Jesus will come back and establish a kingdom on earth and reign for a thousand years where everyone who is a good Christian will be raptured, but those who weren't are left behind to fight in the war between God and Satan. So they believe that establishing the Holy Land Building the temple and protecting it until God gets here is very important and demand that we keep an allyship with Israel in this country and do everything we can to protect them. These beliefs come from whenever Paul had to write certain letters to different churches in code while he was in prison by the Romans, because the guards read his letters every time they came through, so he had to write things such as buzzwords you've probably heard before, such as the Antichrist and other things like that. So people have taken this and deduced that Jesus is coming back, and we have to protect the Holy Land for God because God isn't able to. But I'm not going to argue here or there on that. I'm just going to tell you what I believe on this, because I happen to be a Christian, but I also happen to study 
a bit more and be able to see where things are aligned with history. The time that Jesus referenced whenever he died, as well as Paul spoke about in his letters and code, was whenever Nero was taking over the Roman Empire and had a crusade against Christians and was killing them in mass. This was the Antichrist. As a matter of fact, the temple at Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD by a power vacuum that was left after Nero died. But many modern Christian apocalypse cults, because there's no other word for it, believe that every time that there is a conflict in Israel, that we are days away from rapture, that all-out war is about to break out, God's going to come back, but God can't protect Israel by himself, so we need to do it. The problem is, is that there have been wars in Israel forever, and Israel already fell many millennia ago. And what we know as Israel today was only established in 1948. But since this is a theological approach, it deserves a theological response, which is the only reason I have gotten into the weeds on this. The more I speak, the more I feel the weeds brushing past me. Because whenever people speak with theological reasons for doing things like this, there really is no other way than debating it with theology. Also, I don't normally immediately dispute a viewpoint, I usually wait until the other side. But I would like to try to keep all this theology stuff in one spot. For those of you who would rather skip it, and also so I don't have to deal with all of this again later. So, you're welcome. That's that done. We're not going to talk about it again. Here's something a bit more concrete. Humanitarianism and politics. It's always a fun thing to talk about, at least in comparison to before. It's simple enough. There are people who believe that whenever something is going wrong in the world, that the United States has a responsibility to be at the beck and call. From anywhere throughout the Middle East, to Europe, to Vietnam, we have to be there on the spot, ready to deal with all the world's problems. As facetious as I made that sound, it is a noble thing, in theory. A belief of responsibility to do good in the world and try to protect as well as be that force of good in the world is a great thing and has motivated a lot of good things. And then there are those who believe we simply have a responsibility to be there since Israel is a listed ally of this country. And whenever our allies are invaded, we have to be there to defend them. Both of these viewpoints are simple enough. And the last one that I forgot to mention earlier is the belief that it's going to come here. There's always this belief whenever anything happens around the world, from Vietnam to the Middle East, is if we don't go and stop it there, it will come here. That has been very prevalent since 9-11 due to people believing that that was us not doing enough. And I'm not going to get into the political debate about why 9-11 happened to this country, but it is reasonable for these people who have witnessed 9-11, as well as other tragedies that have been driven here by conflict, to want to end them there before they become any sort of threat on the homeland here at home. Time for two rebuttals and a third viewpoint on why we shouldn't invade that I don't agree with, but we're going to have to talk about. It's such a complicated issue that you can't just have one side, because I believe we shouldn't be fighting over there, but 
There are people who I don't agree with on why we shouldn't be fighting over there. So as far as humanitarianism and politics go, I don't believe that any good for any humanitarian can come from American intervention. It's going to be bloody, it's going to be awful, and it will cripple any economy that's involved. Whenever we already have so many problems we're dealing with in this country, as well as a depleted arsenal because we have sent everything we have to Ukraine to where we are struggling to get enough tax dollars to replenish our own arms and our own military. The only people that a humanitarian aid effort are going to be helping is the military industrial complex in this country and making them richer and diverting more tax dollars towards them while the rest of us become poorer and poorer through the inflation from the government printing money for these companies. As far as the politics goes, we should never be in any position to put America at risk financially, economically, or even as far as our own safety. If we have made agreements in the past that we have to uphold that would put us in that position, we have to back out. Simple as. We cannot help people if we are broken. You cannot pour from an empty pitcher. So we have to keep ourselves strong so that maybe someday we can help somebody else, but we're not in that position right now. And the third viewpoint, which I do not share, is this idea that Palestine needs to be allowed to drive out, quote-unquote, all the Israelis from Israel, which is basically, up to this point, been terrorism, mass genocide, murder of children and women, which is horrible. But there is, if not a ounce of truth, where Palestinian people have been misplaced, if not by the fault of the Israelis, of the British, who are notorious for drawing lines in countries they take over that later cause race wars. Just look at Ireland and Northern Ireland, for example, where there is still an apartheid today. There should be peace and people should be free, but the murder of innocent people, civilians and children is not the way to achieve something like that. I believe everyone should be free. I'll give them that. But I do not believe in anyone who is doing what they are doing right now is doing it for freedom. They are doing it to satisfy their bloodlust, and it is a shameful thing to see. And then, for my opinion, my opinion is basically the response to the humanitarian aid and the political aid, and also just the fact that any point in history past World War II where America has been involved in other people's conflicts that has not gone well. Vietnam, Korea, Afghanistan. I mean, the Middle East has been at war since the beginning. Just look at whenever the Russians invaded them in 1978 and all that fun that was had there. It's all just too much. And we cannot effectively help anybody. American interventionalism only brings more suffering, more division, and more pain to these countries. We just make it worse and make the explosives a whole lot larger. I want peace. I want freedom. I want innocent life to be protected. But in all of this, there seems to not be a middle ground. And that is rare for anything. Normally, you can find a middle ground. But in this conflict, there is not. One side wants blood, 
and the other wants their land. And it's going to be an awful thing to watch happen. And we should play no role in anything coming from this. Now, this is a shorter episode, but this is only a recent conflict. I'm sure I'll be covering it again in the future whenever it grows worse and worse and more politicians come out with more reasons why we should or shouldn't be over there. But all I can say is to all of you is keep yourself safe. Don't murder innocent people. And for the love of God, love who you got while you got. Because if this shows anything in the day that all of this turned into hell, you never know what tomorrow is going to be like. Today can be peace and tomorrow can be war. And that is the unfortunate, horrible world that we live in. But take advantage today of the peace that you have, because you may not always have it. Love all you. Remember, turn off the gas stove before you go to bed. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to this episode proudly presented by the APNM Group, a subsidiary of Alja Productions, LLC. We strive to produce content that informs, entertains, and adds value to your day. We value your input and would be delighted to hear your thoughts in the comments about this episode. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please engage with us in the comments section or via our social media platforms. Your feedback helps us shape our content and uncover new topics that matter to our listeners. If this episode resonated with you, we kindly ask that you rate and review this show on your preferred podcast platform. Sharing this podcast with friends and family helps us reach more listeners and continue delivering content you enjoy. For more information about the podcast, the host, or our parent company, please visit the link in this episode's description. Also visit us on YouTube and Rumble to see and hear every content produced by Alja Productions. Thank you once again for your time and support. Until next time, stay tuned and stay inspired.